Welcome, everybody, to Bridge Builders Communities Church Sermon Podcast. You are listening to one of our messages from our weekly gathering. We hope that you sit back and enjoy and be blessed. Ernest Hemingway was a very, very prolific writer. He wrote, wrote various words, but he was challenged one time to write a story in six words. So I'm going to let you guys fill in the details, because obviously in six words there's no details. And these are the words that he put for sale, baby shoes, never worn. For sale, baby shoes, never worn. So what comes to your mind? Say it out loud. The baby didn't survive. Baby didn't survive, okay. Anybody else? Better shoes. Okay. It does leave it wide open, doesn't it? Sometimes the culture and what's going on within our culture kind of directs how we fill in the gaps there, how we fill in the details. And I think because of what's gone on specifically in in New York State in the last couple of weeks, with the Health Reproductive Act, I think many people might think, well, maybe the baby was aborted. You know, the baby was coming and they had clothes for the baby already and they changed their mind. In the last second, which we're allowed to do now, the last second, they had an abortion. Okay? So, you know, Ernest Hemingway, I don't think, was thinking in these terms when he, when he wrote that. But the point is, sometimes the culture, our culture, kind of directs how we, diff- how we think about things. And, you know, it doesn't, uh, the culture doesn't always line up with the things that we believe. The culture doesn't always line up with the truth with the truth of God's word, as we see in, in this horrible act that was passed. They, 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 they couched the, the, the bill or the act in nice words, the Health Reproductive Act. It sounds like it's, yeah, yeah well, I, you know, it sounds like a really good thing. It, it's, you know, a lot of times today, in, in today's world when evil is being done, it's couched in good words. That's when they came up with pro-choice. You know, it sounds like, shouldn't you have a choice in things? You know, because in most things we do have choices. But they, it's couched in those words. And that's some of the things that culture will do with us is that they will couch things in these, in these words. Why it's so important for us to be in God's word 
The truth being, as you said in your prayer just a little while ago, okay, God's word is truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. His word is the truth. And it's the truth that brings us into freedom. We wouldn't have that freedom without the truth. I, I think people that, uh, even with this Health Reproductive Act, people that are, are doing that, okay, will never, ever experience peace mm-hmm. in their lives. I don't believe so because God says that peace comes through righteousness, and this is not righteous. It's not a righteous thing. All right, so Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for, for this day, Lord God, and we do thank you that, that you speak to us the truth, that you've given us the truth in your word. And, Lord, we seek that out. We, we want to know. We want to understand, Lord. We, we, we look forward to the day when we will visibly see you and be able to stand in awe of you as we, as we were singing in, in those words in the last uh, song that we sang. But we can stand in awe of you while we're on this earth, Lord, uh, only in, in the spiritual way. But we thank you for that. We, we just thank you that you're present here with us. Uh, your presence and the presence of your Holy Spirit was so obvious during this, during this time of worship. And we just want to continue this uh, worship as we look in, into your word. And we pray that, Lord, in Jesus' name. So last week we, we spoke a lot about the truth in God's word. And we saw how Jesus dealt with the culture of his times and some of the ways that he um, reacted to various things that, that he came across from the, from the time he was born, actually, but especially in the three years of his ministry. So what I have done today is I want to talk today about how we should deal with our culture according to God's words. And I want to show some comparisons of different things that Jesus had to deal with as during his three years of walking and, and uh, uh, bringing people to the Lord in comparison with some of the things that we deal with. Some of the same, same situations all right, that, that Jesus had to, had to deal with that, that we deal with today. So I actually picked three. I'm sure there, there is probably 300. But uh, I picked three of them, and we'll talk about them. Some of these, we'll talk about them in, in a short way. They could lead later on to an entire sermon on just one of them, or even a, a group of sermons, but let's let's see how you know how well we we do as as we go through this. The first one I want to talk about is hatred. We know that as we go through life, there's going to be lots of people that we disagree with. But how does God feel about that word hatred? And you know, hatred is one of those things where God permits us to hate different situations or things that are happening, but not to ever hate people. All right? we, we've seen um, within the political realm, we've seen people that celebrated the passing of that Health Reproductive Act. In your heart, you just want to hate those people, you know, for 
What's wrong with you? Don't you see what you're doing? You know, but we, we can't do that. God does not allow us to do that at all. But he faced this in his life also. And if you're going to follow in scripture, I want to go into John chapter 8 for a while, uh, starting at verse 36, and just uh, show you that. John 8:36. Therefore, if the Son of Man makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And he's talking to the Pharisees at this time. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me. All right. His hatred coming out onto Jesus from the Pharisees. I mean, if you really want to kill somebody, that's hate. But how does, how does, how does the Lord look on hate? And, and I went back into the Old Testament for that, to the book of Jonah. And you could turn that while I talk a little bit about Jonah. I, I, I actually find Jonah to be a quite humorous story. I don't, I don't know how you guys look at it, but when I, when I read the story, I, I just have to chuckle about some of the things that uh, happen in this story. But, you know, uh, the Lord tells Jonah to go to Nineveh because Nineveh has basically turned away from the Lord. And he wants Jonah to go there and preach to Nineveh so that Nineveh will repent. So what does Jonah do? He takes off in the opposite direction, right? Because he doesn't want any part because of his feelings to the people in Nineveh, all right? I don't know if the right word is hate, but he just don't like them at all. So he takes off in the opposite direction, and we know a little bit about the story. He winds up on a ship. He winds up in the bottom of the ocean because they throw him over the ship because a storm comes about. He winds up in the belly of the whale, and while he's in there, he repents of what he was doing with the Lord and the fact that he wasn't being obedient. So now he goes to Nineveh, and he preaches like he was supposed to. And Nineveh repents. And what does Jonah do? Celebrate because he's repenting? He gets mad at the Lord. He's mad at God because he didn't want them to repent. He says, Lord, I knew you. I knew that was going to happen. I knew you were going to do that, that you were going to have mercy on them because I don't like these people. So I, I want to read chapter 4 because chapter 4 is just, uh, to me, it's just uh, hilarious what, what, what goes on here. And uh, Jonah 4, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. So here we are, we praise God for this, and he's criticizing God for it. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city, 
and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade, till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the, for the plant. But as morning dawned, the next day God prepared a worm. And it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, Here's the point now. Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, It is right for me to be angry, even to death. But the Lord said, You have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock? Okay, I, I, I just think that story is, is, is so funny. But obviously, God does not look uh, favorably on us if we hate people. And we have to um, be very careful in that realm. John 13.34 talks about God telling us that we have to love everyone. Okay, that is a command of his. And he even goes further than that in the book of Matthew 5.44 where it says you must love your enemies. Okay, it's not just, um, you know, our friends that we have to love. It's, it's our enemies. You know, with the political climate today, it's, it's very, it makes it very, very difficult when, when a law like that gets passed in, in New York. And what we have to do as, as Christians, and, you know, I just wonder how many of us pray for Mario Cuomo every day? You know, that is something that we really should be doing. And for all the the, the legislators that have passed this, it's a prayer that we we should have. It's the love that we need to show them, even though we don't feel that inside because of what came about. What we do have to remember is if any of the people that passed the law do not repent, they will be under serious judgment. And those are the things that we, we want to pray that that doesn't happen. Okay, just like in the story of Jonah, all right, where Jonah, he, he didn't really want them to repent. He was mad that God was merciful to them. We, in the, uh, on the other end of that, should be very, very thrilled if any of the people that did that come to the Lord and change their mind about that. You know, when Jesus dealt with people, uh, during the time that he was on earth, he always dealt with the heart of the person. He didn't try to change laws like if that law had been back then. He probably would not have been out picketing about that 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 uh, law, but he probably would have been trying to change the hearts of the people who did, you know who created that law. So that's how we have to kind of look at it. If we're going to be more like Jesus, to try and and live in that realm of, of where we pray for 
for that. The next thing that I wanted to talk about is the kingdom focus that Jesus had while he was uh, on the earth. Uh, Jesus never lost his focus. As I just said a minute ago about, he would ne- you would never see him out picketing about different something because that is not the kingdom focus that he had. His kingdom focus was to bring people to the Lord, you know, to uh, help them to understand that there is f- forgiveness, that there is reconciliation with the Father. And as in that reconciliation, you will change. Okay, so it's that it's that hard attitude that he, he's there. And I saw the best example of that in Billy Graham, who just passed away uh, about a year ago. Billy Graham never, ever lost his focus of preaching the gospel. Uh, my wife and I were just watching his life story uh, just, the, just the other day. And he preached the gospel to millions But he also preached the gospel to leaders, pagan leaders, you know, when he was invited to Russia and Bulgaria and China. And he would meet with the leaders of those countries. He would preach to them. He would never lose that focus. He wasn't trying to be buddy-buddy with them or thank you for letting me come here or anything like that. He would preach the gospel to them. He was on so many talk shows in his younger, younger years. And I, I think a lot of these talk shows, they had them on there and, you know, it's, everything's a joke and they try to make funny so that the people will, that are in the audience will laugh and the TV, people watching the TV will laugh. And they would try and he would just say, you need Jesus Christ in your life. And he would preach the gospel right to them, right on TV. And sometimes, I, I mean, I watched one clip with Woody Allen, another one with Phil Donahue, where they, for, for a little while, they were speechless. They, they actually did, you know, these guys are never speechless, but they, they didn't know what to say because he would start preaching the gospel to them and it was, uh, you know, <laughs> you can't make a joke out of that when somebody says, you need Jesus Christ in your heart, you know, and he would look right into their eyes when he would say it. I mean, it wasn't like he was drifting off and just mentioning it. And it was so good, but that's... That's the focus that um, we need to have. I, I, I want to go into Jesus' life, and uh, let's go to Luke 10 for a second, uh, verse 38. Luke 10, 38. This is a story of uh, Martha and Mary. Now it happened, as they went, they, that they entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Imagine telling Jesus what to do. Tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. You are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. She sat at the feet of Jesus. That was the good part. Okay, And, and that's the focus that 
we need to have as Christians to always be at the feet of Jesus, to keep that as our focus. That's going to give us the direction that, that we need. What we have to be careful of is things that absorb our time and our money that are not uh, lined up with the kingdom of God, with, that are not underneath the umbrella of what is God's will for us. And that's why it's so important, not only to be in the Word, but also to be in tune with the Holy Spirit through prayer so that we know where does God want us and where doesn't God want us? What's going to take us away? That's that thin line that you have about activism, you know, political activism. You know, you know, should we be out picketing or should we be out doing this or doing that? And it's not that any of those things are wrong. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But it is wrong if God didn't want us there because it's absorbing our time. And we're supposed to be... Here, doing something else, you know, whether it's bringing up our children, whether it's uh, different things that, you know, God has us to do, whether it's, you know, looking over the flock, you know, whatever it might be. It's so important that we know what God wants us to do and where God doesn't want us. It's 24 hours in a day, you know, and if we if we try to do... 35 hours of work every 24 hours, we wear ourselves out and we do a lot of things that we're not supposed to be doing and we probably are not praying because we don't have time anymore. And, and that's, that's that balance that we have. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God. Okay? And all the other things are going to follow. All right? So if we're seeking his kingdom, we're going in that direction at all times. All right? Then that is going... To uh, to help, and no matter where he puts us, we have to be salt and light, because that—that's we can do that wherever we are. If we go to work and we're working eight hours a day somewhere, we need to be salt and light there. Okay, that's not a time that we're supposed to be praying, because that's a time that we have to be giving to whoever is paying us our paycheck uh, at the end of the week. But it doesn't mean that we can't be salt and light there. God's very clear about this. If salt loses its flavor, we're good for nothing. So, I mean, that's a very, very serious way of, of putting, putting that. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's very clear that he wants us to be doing the things that he has for us to do. The third thing uh, that I picked out was the importance of women. Jesus had a great honor and a great respect for the woman of, of the day. And he had things for them to do. He did not picture women as they sit and they pray and then the men go out and do everything. Even in the Jewish culture, which is more male-oriented than even in our culture here. And I want to take you into the book of John, uh, chapter 20. What's the most important, let's say, most important thing as far as Christianity is concerned that happened while Jesus was on this earth? Without it, nothing else would have any meaning. The resurrection. 
Who told everybody about the resurrection? (laughs) Women. (laughs) Chapter 20. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple, and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter, and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there. Yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. And then the other disciple, who came to the tomb first, went in also, and he saw and believed. But as yet they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their homes. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, Teacher, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. So it was women, Mary, that were given probably one of the most important jobs back that time to tell of the resurrection. Because without that, everything else was meaningless. And Mary wasn't the only one okay, that Jesus held in honor. Let's go to Matthew 26. And start in verse 6. 26 for starting, starting in verse 6. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him, having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, He said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always. But me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, 
she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. How many people in Scripture did Jesus do that with? This is the only one that I know of. The honor that he has for women. And one more. Let's go to John 4. We know in in John 4 the story of the Samaritan woman. uh, She comes out to the well to get water. And Jesus uh, is out there. He's waiting for his disciples to come back with food. And uh, while she's coming out with water, Jesus asks her for a drink of water. Now, she's shocked, surprised. Why? Because Jewish men were not, number one, supposed really just speaking, not to sp- supposed to just speak with a woman outside like that, okay, just kind of one-on-one, but also that she was a Samaritan woman on top of that. Okay, but in the in the conversation that they wind up have, having, uh, having uh, Jesus tells her everything about her life. That it's like she realizes that he is the Messiah. He does actually tell her that. So she goes back to Samaria to tell everybody about Jesus. Okay, so it's like a missionary. Verse 39 shows the result of that. Verse 39 says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. She went back and she told the Samaritans about Jesus. And many came to Jesus because of that. Okay? So she was like an evangelist out there into another, another country, okay? And we see that, going back to what we were saying, the honor and respect that Jesus has for women, he doesn't have women just sitting and praying and that's it, okay? There are things that God gives us to do. There, there is the culture of our country has various extremes as far as the role of women is concerned. There's been a lot of push for various things in there. Um, you know, from the, the lowest to, you know, playing football uh, with, you know, on a, on, in, the, in the NFL, you know, where your body is going to be squashed. And it's these extremes that this is what, God straightens out a little bit when you're just looking for the truth of his word. God shows us that, you know, where, where we stand as, as men and, and women. And as long as we're looking into the truth of his word, we're not going to get into those extremes, you know, down here and way up here. But we are going to get uh, the truth of what, we're, uh, what is supposed to happen. There is a balance in there. There's a balance in in everything that God shows us. And that's why uh, we need to stay in the truth of his word. Well, Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for everything that you have shown us today. We thank you for your blessings, Lord God. We thank you that uh, 
we have been able to spend time hearing from you, hearing from you first in a wonderful time of worship, Lord, and hearing from you in your word. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that uh, as we go forth, Lord God, that uh, we will be able to um, understand your word Understand the things that don't line up as far as our culture is concerned so that we always uh, are walking according to your truth because we know, Lord, that it's the truth that is going to set us free. And that's what we want. We want that freedom that comes, that exists only in you. And we pray that as we go forth, Lord, that we would be the salt and light that you want us to be, Lord, that we would be a flavor of you that people would want. And we pray that in your precious name. Amen. Amen.